and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode. This week we are talking about OCD and those of you that follow me on social media would have seen that I posted something actually recently about OCD and the misuse of its language. So we're going to talk to talk about a few things to do with OCD, um, but probably we'll start with language. What do you reckon, Tara? Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good way to start. So for those of you that don't know what OCD is, um, it's defined by the World Health Organization as um, well. It stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. But the World Health Organization uh, characterizes the disorder um, by an obsessive need to repeatedly do certain things such as hand washing, checking or cleaning the house. Um, and, and that's just a very small frame of the things that can fall into OCD. Um, but to be classed as OCD, those kind of um, compulsive behaviors must take up at least one hour of the person's day okay so that's the the diagnostic criteria is mm-hmm. it okay yeah and this is the thing with um ocd is the thing that annoys me the most about it, and it's why i go on my little rants on social media about it is the misuse of the term and the misconceptions about what it actually is and i get so upset when i see people misuse ocd and it happens in our industry heaps doesn't it tara Mm-hmm. And look, I have to put my hand up because I think sometimes I will drop it in and it's not its not a humble brag. It's like I just am too lazy to find the language to say, "Yeah, I'm really particular about this thing or this thing makes me really anxious. I will say, oh, I just get a bit OCD about my flaws. Yeah. And it's like, and then I always catch myself and think, why are you just diminishing something that is a serious disorder? But I have yeah. to be honest, because I will get, and I think it is laziness. And I think it's, it's probably keeping. a habit. Like it's just an old habit. You know, mm. it, it's been used by lots of people for so long that people just automatically, you know, slip into it. It's, it's like other language as well. You know, I saw recently someone said, oh, I'm a bit spastic with technology. And it's just, something that 20 years ago we would have said in a way that we didn't sort of mean offence, we just meant we're not very good at something. But obviously what that's doing is diminishing people who have disabilities. And, you know, it's the language around um, and, and for it's, it, OCD is a little bit different but um, because when you use a word like spastic or retard or something, you're, you're basically um, saying that, you know, there's something wrong with you which is why you need that label, which means that then people with that label, there's something wrong with them. Um, so that's why you, you wouldn't use that. But with OCD, it's actually used a lot as a badge of honour. And so people actually don't realise mm-hmm. the damage that they're doing by using that language in that way. But, you know, when you say, oh, I'm a bit OCD, you know, if you think about the next time you, you anyone who are out there who uses this language, next time they say or they're thinking, oh, I'm a bit OCD, can you be a bit cancer? Mm. And that's exactly the thing. Oh, you don't just go, oh, I'm a bit cancer today, you know, because it's a condition that you have. You're not, you aren't something. You aren't that. You can't be OCD. You can have OCD, but you can't be it. Um, the same way you can't be cancer yeah. and you you can't um, be 
pneumonia, you know, you just, you have it. And so that's something to remember that people um, who have OCD, it's a condition that they have. It's not something that you can be. And, and so that's, what that does is it diminishes the seriousness of the condition. And so when people say, you know, oh, that's just my OCD talking, I usually correct them and I go, oh, your perfectionism, your mm. your need to be neat and tidy, unless they actually have a diagnosed OCD, which then they can say um, my OCD, the thing that I have, causes me to do this. But most people who will say, I'm a bit OCD, I have a bit OCD, oh, that's my OCD talking, they don't have diagnosed OCD. And the people that do um, are then diminished um, by people f- making it, trivialising a serious mental health condition. We'll talk about how serious it is um, in a minute. So that's why I get on my rants and um, that's why I, I mean, some people will probably just tell me just to chill out and relax. It's just a word. But to me, um, it's not because I know how serious it is for people who live with that condition. And I also think it's a bit insulting to those people to have their condition minimised to um, a, a tidiness. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and so that it sort of minimises that um, a little bit as well. But, yeah, but, you know, it is it is a habit that a lot of people have gotten into and, they can change that. They just have to, you know, like you, like you said, you just have to catch yourself, and you'll catch yourself sooner and sooner, um, and eventually you'll catch yourself before it leaves your mouth, um, uh, which will be better than after. And yeah, and and if it helps, if you think if you are ad- identifying with this and thinking, oh, yeah, I think I've said that, or I regularly say that, you know, it could even help to come up, sit down, write out three different words that you could use to describe yourself around that behavior that you might be discussing or referring to like I love the word pernickety I don't even know if it's a real persnickety. word persnickety no is it right I'm yeah it's persnickety Google. yeah and it is a real word and I love it too okay well then, awesome. clearly I've been saying it wrong all these years but <laughs> um you know it's like there's other words there's other language we can use to talk about um our need for control or you know our um insatiable desire to get something done or how we just you know feel at ease with order or whatever it is you know just come up with a few different phrases or a few different terms to use write them down and then kind of mentally store them so in future when you think I need to describe how I feel about my flaws I can use persnickety (laughs) (laughs) uh, or whatever it is um, I've just googled it Tara I've just googled it and I'm wrong you're right (gasps) It's persnickety or pernickety. So ah. there you go. So I've always said persnickety, but I just Googled it then to be sure because I, I never trust. I can, I, when I think I'm right, it usually means I need to check. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so persnickety is the American word and pernickety is the British word apparently. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say all these people for all these years that I've been on my high horse about how pernickety I am <laughs> probably like, <laughs> Yeah, that's not even a word, lady. <laughs> it is, don't worry. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, come up with some other language, you know, around the idea you're trying to use. And if you write it down, you'll be surprised how quickly that will stick in your head. Hopefully you can drop mm. the word pernickety or persnickety into a sentence this week. That is your challenge <laughs> from us. <laughs> definitely do. It's an awesome word. I think I definitely pre- prefer persnickety. I don't know why. Um, it, either way, there it's a cool word. It is. So, 
I, let's let's talk a bit more about OCD, and I also want to talk about OCPD as well because there's a couple mm. of different, or there's a lot of variation. And I think, like a lot of things that we don't fully understand, if we don't have them, um, we kind of don't understand where the lines are, and we can lump people together um, mm. as having yeah. a disorder because you know they exhibit a certain behaviour. So. Um, the well, world... before we do this, I do want to say that we're not experts in this. Oh, and... yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. I mean, you've got a psychology degree, but we're not psychologists. Uh, and so we're sort of, um, we're, we're talking about some research that we've done and some things that we know, but definitely double check, definitely do fact checks on everything that we've said before you act on any of it. Um, it's definitely worth investigating all of this yourself, but we just want to give you an intro so that you kind of know what to research further if you're interested in doing so. Yes, good disclaimer. Well done. Um, so these these next couple of points are all def- as def- you know what OCD is as defined by the World Health Organization. So we went through that um, definition before, but going a little bit deeper, it talks about um, OCD uh, is the obsessive part of OCD is about the ideas, images and impulses that enter the individual's mind and they enter the, their mind again and again, even though the person might acknowledge them as excessive or irrational. And these thoughts keep coming back. They're really intrusive and are unwanted most of the time. Um, so the, the thoughts are those obsessions and then the actions that are undertaken to control the obsessive thoughts then become the compulsions. Um but not all compulsions are overt. So, you know, quite often when you think of OCD, you think of the scrubbing and washing of the hands, but quite often the compulsive behaviours in OCD could be things that you can't see. They could be like um, mentally praying or counting numbers or things like that. So it might be something that that is not obvious mm. if you're looking from the outside. Mm. Um, going on from that, people that have OCD cannot or very frequently um, are unable to stop the thoughts and the actions. Um, it becomes something that kind of is out of their control and those those thoughts and those actions can become quite distressing to them, especially if the person is trying to resist. Then as a consequence of having OCD, the person will often take longer to complete tasks um, even some really simple tasks and might have disturbances in interpersonal relationships because of this, because these things, um, mm. you know, come into their mind over and over and then they're acting out the compulsions to, you know, try and quieten the obsessions and things like that. So it's OCD is a chronic disease and quite often there's periods of remission and relapse. But it's, you know, it's really when you start digging into it, it's really serious it really and, is, mm. um, and it, it can um, people will take uh, people can die f- by suicide um, because they can't they just can't cope anymore with it. It's it is it is a lot more serious than than what people think, and and that's why you know we wanted to to do this episode because I want to just let people know how serious it is and that it's ser- it's debilitating, and there are some people who cannot work because of it, and um, it's it affects their life and. Those those people that joke about having OCD or being a bit OCD, I don't think they would 
joke if they knew how it ruins lives so much. Um, but there are lots of people that can also live um, with with OCD and manage quite well. So it's not sort of all, all com- you know, completely um, do- doom and gloom in that way. It is something that uh, a lot of people can um, can live with, but it, it does affect their life and it does change things. And you know, like you were saying with with the um, with the, the obsessive thoughts, they feel an extreme anxiety, and the anxiety is only relieved by doing the compulsive behaviour, and. It's sort of like it's almost like scratching an itch, you know. If if you imagine, imagine that you've got a mosquito on your arm and um, you're trying not to swat it away as it stings you, um, or you've got an itch and you're trying not to scratch it, it that it takes a it will take all of your effort, all of your mental and physical effort not to scratch that itch. And it's a very similar thing. They spend a lot of time trying to fight the compulsions. Um, but the often the only way to to make them feel less anxious and less distressed is to perform the action. Um, and and so they end up having to, to do that. And it does it does take over lives quite significantly a lot of the time. Um, yeah, and the World Health Organization ranks OCD in the top 10 of the most disabling illnesses due to the lost income and the seriously compromised quality of life. And that was, I when I read that stat, that really surprised me because I didn't, I had no idea yeah. that, you know, when you yeah. think of all of the um, disorders. Because it's trivialized so much. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and you, yeah, when you think about all the disorders as well, um, you know, when you think about bipolar, which is also really disabling and, um, and some of the, the physical illnesses that are, that are disabling, you know, for OCD to be ranked in the top 10, um, it just, it just reinforces the fact that it really shouldn't be joked about. It's nothing to be joked about. Right, so let's go through back then um, a few things that are not OCD. So we've talked about, you know, a bit of the detail and we, we mentioned a few of these earlier, but um, just for <laughs> reinforcement's sake, um, I guess OCD is not a catch cry for people to use that like things orderly and neat. It's not a throwaway yeah. line. Can yeah. you think of what else it is not? Yeah, um, it's not a badge of honour um, or a... It's not a personality trait or quirk mm-hmm. either um, or a, a commitment to tidiness. It's, um, yeah, it's not that. It's not just a desire to have things clean and tidy. It's not perfectionism either. Mm-hmm. It's not just um, an accumulation of collections or item you know collecting a whole bunch of items it's not mm, when you've got them a, up in a row mm. yeah when you've got you know a serious passion and an interest you know and maybe a fastidious about collecting star wars items you're not ocd about star wars you can't use you mm. can't use that term when you're talking about yep. your collections um and it's something and i've your heard passions. this yeah, yeah I, i've heard this and i i take real offence to this. It's not something you can use interchangeably with autism spectrum disorder. Um, Yeah. Because quite often people um, that have autism spectrum disorder, you know, they might elicit a preoccupation with something. That doesn't mean that's OCD. And then you Mm. cannot use those words interchange, all those disorders interchangeably. They have their 
very distinct um, diagnostic standards and symptoms. So that's a Mm no-no as well. Yeah, and then the same goes with with hoarding disorder. Um, that, That used to be, I can understand people thinking that hoarding disorder is an OCD because it actually used to be classified as a subset of OCD. Mm-hmm. But since about, oh, testing me here, 2010, 2012, 13, uh, it has, hoarding disorder has its own diagnostic criteria in the um, DSM. But, yeah, a lot of people will sort of uh, lump the two together or, or say that hoarding disorder is OCD or OCD causes hoarding disorder and um, they can definitely coexist um they are definitely comorbid in a lot of cases mm-hmm. but um they're definitely two separate disorders yeah so when i looked up who suffers with it because i really had i had no preconceived ideas about whether there were populations or you know um genders or groups of people that suffered with mm-hmm. it more than others um so i went looking and it the stats are a bit unclear, but um, some recent studies said approximately one in 40 adults and one in 100 children mm. have it. And this is data from the US, but it uh, suggested that it's believed to be fairly consistent across all ethnic and gender groups. Um, okay. And they said quite often um, OCD is grouped in reporting with other anxiety-related illnesses. So accurate data on it can be hard to obtain. Um, yeah, because... I have a client who has that. Yeah, she has um, uh, anxiety, general anxiety disorder with OCD as well and they've sort of grouped them together in mm-hmm. her diagnosis, yeah. Um, and I heard this stat on a podcast, which I will refer you to at the end of ours um, if you want to have a listen, but a lady suffering with OCD said that on average um, a sufferer will will try and manage it on their own for 12 years before they seek any assistance from um, mm, any medical professionals. And that's a, that is a really long time when you think of some of those um, yeah. symptoms and, you and think how, how debilitating. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a long time to, to do that. I wonder is that because they don't know that it's something that they can change or get help for or they think it's part of another disorder like their anxiety or something like that, I wonder. Yeah, I'm not sure. Or I guess with a lot of um, disorders, there's also a level of shame around uh, reporting it. People probably try and, and I think because people feel that they can control their obsessions by doing their compulsive actions, they probably feel like there will be an end point. Like once, if I do this enough, I'll get to the point where I'm satisfied and then it's over. The thoughts stop, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it that. probably just gets to a point where it's become so intrusive um, and so chronic mm. that they realise that there's it's not getting better or it's not going away before they seek mm. help. But that's just my speculation. Yeah. So so OCPD. Now I don't know much about OCPD. So um, when you added that to the list of things to talk about, I was quite interested. So you've done a bit of research on this. Yeah. So. Um, and I remember this is the stuff that I learned more about um, way back when I was doing psych. So OCPD is obsessive compulsive personality disorder. And so this, and I think this is more often what 
we are referring are to about, yeah. when they're talking about tidiness. So it's a personality disorder that's characterized by extreme perfectionism, order and neatness. Um, and people with OCPD feel a severe need to kind of, that their way is the only way and that they need to impose yeah. their standards onto the outside environment. So usually the characteristics of OCPD um, and there's, you know, like every disorder, there's people that meet some criteria and not others. There are people that have mm. all of them, but some of them are that they find it hard to express their feelings, um, have difficulty forming and maintaining close relationships with others. Well, you know, that could be those <laughs> two could uh, be from, all, you know, a variety of disorders. Um, generally, people with OCPD are quite hardworking, but their obsession with perfection can make them quite inefficient because mm-hmm. um, a task has to be done perfectly before they can let it go. And then they often feel quite righteous, indignant and angry. Oh, that's um, half the people on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, because because they think that their way of doing things is the only way or the right way. Yeah. Um, and then they can't understand that other people can't um, yeah, can't do same. it as well or see mm. that that's the right way for things to be done. So leading on from that, then they often find or face a whole lot of social isolation and then can experience anxiety and depression based on that. Mm. Um, So the symptoms, I guess then, like we said, perfectionism to the point that it impairs their ability to finish anything. Um, They have quite stiff, formal and rigid mannerisms. Some people will become quite frugal with money, um, like extremely frugal, Um, there might be an overwhelming need to be punctual. They have that extreme attention to detail. Um, This is kind of like the cliche, isn't it? Yeah. It's sort of like the cliche that people, yeah, like you said, use OCD. And then um, I think this is where it it overlaps a little bit um, with hoarding disorder as well is sometimes people with OCPD will hoard worn or useless items and part of that comes back to their extreme perfectionism because unless yeah. a, an item can be disposed of perfectly um, or it can be reused or repurposed perfectly, they're not willing to let it go. Um, mm. But it is that perfectionism that then stops them from taking any action <laughs> because yeah. they, they don't have the time to do it, to do it perfectly. To do it perfectly. Mm. So they don't, well, they don't know how. Them. Mm. Yeah, they don't know how to do it. They don't have the resources or the knowledge, yeah. And then quite often they won't um, ask anyone for help with it either because they fear that Mm. other people won't do it right, that they don't appreciate um, the standards of order required or perfectionism required, so they won't delegate to anyone either. I see this with clients a lot. Mm. Um, Mm. And it's funny because, you know, one of the symptoms is an overwhelming need for order, which you think Mm. how can that coexist with someone that has hoarding disorder, but the, a lot of people that suffer with hoarding disorder and have, you know, excessive amounts of stuff, things are quite well organised. There is just a lot of it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I think there's a there's a difference between a need for order and an ability to maintain order. Mm-hmm. And people with hoarding disorder have um, executive function deficiencies that mean that they find it very difficult to categorise and prioritise. And so in order to have things in order, they need to be categorised and or prioritised. And if they can't do that, then they've got this terrible conflict of the need for order and uh, that 
clashes with their inability to create order. Mm. So there's that that whole um, that it, which must be just torturous. So then people with OCPD also don't really understand or don't have an idea that that there's anything wrong with them because their personality is such that they think that their way of thinking and doing things is the only correct way and that everyone else around Mm. them is wrong. So it's quite a black and white way of thinking mm. a lot of the time. Yeah. So, look, I'll put a link. I'll put several links in the show notes if you guys want to go have a look at um, more you know, detail on OCD and OCPD. Um, we'll put some links there to start start your research and um, start having a read. But I'd like to kind of explore a little bit about how some of this OCD and OCPD idea relate, relates to clutter and stuff mm. specifically. Yeah, well, I've had a few clients with OCD and the, their um, diagnosis has meant their behaviours have had an impact on their space um, for like a, a, in a few different ways. Um, so there is the the difficulty in discarding things, which it's I don't know what the necessarily what the thoughts or compulsions would be, but um, when with OCD, a lot of the, the obsessive thoughts that people have are around the safety of others, mm-hmm. and so what they'll sometimes have a, a thought like if I. If I throw this away, something awful is going to happen, um, and so I have to keep it. And so that's sort of one of the the reasons why people might keep things that they know they don't need. Um, but that obsessive thought is intrusive, and it will not go away. And so the only way that they can have it go away is to stop considering discarding it and, and keeping it instead. Uh, yeah, and it can it can also extend then as well to obsessions around. Uh, fear of contamination as well so contamination to themselves or to others so it might be you know there might be um, compulsions around keeping things off all the floors because they might be worried about germs or you know dust or Mm -hmm. dirt or anything that's on the floor so then as a result all the floors in one's home um, Mm. you know sometimes the contamination is completely undefined as well Mm -hmm. Like the person can't describe what contaminated means. Yeah. But they just know it is or it isn't. Um, yeah. And Sorry. I, I was, no, that's all right. I was seeing um, when I was reading about this as well that some people that suffer with OCD, their contamination fears can also lead to them buying an excessive amount of everything. So they might, yeah. everything that they touch in a store or pick up and handle, they might then worry that they have contaminated so they will purchase it all to prevent other people touching it and then becoming contaminated. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that yeah. then um, has people acquiring really unintentionally a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Another way that that causes buying, the contamination thing causes buying, is that if something in the home becomes contaminated, it can't be used anymore, so they need to buy a new one mm-hmm. that is uncontaminated and so they end up with duplicate items. The contaminated things still have to stay but the, the they can't be used, so new ones have to come in. So uh, I read about a case of that one of um, one person that that had that problem as well with just e- everything that became contaminated in the home through whatever her definition of contamination was needed to be put aside in order to be fixed or uncontaminated. And in the meantime, she had to buy a new one that she could use then. So that caused a large accumulation of belongings as well. Mm. Some people suffer 
with obsessions around magic numbers or, you know, special numbers. And that can sometimes result in excessive acquisition too because a person feels that they have to buy things in the multiples of his or her magic number. Yeah. And then uh, likewise store them in that number in their home and think there's a whole lot of stuff around numbers which I find like incredibly interesting and just fascinating but it must just feel so heavy to to have to cope with that yeah yeah to have to be forced into that by your obsessive thoughts knowing that it's unhelpful but not being able to change that it would really you'd feel tied down wouldn't you like Mm. yeah another way that I have seen OCD sort of affect the the surroundings of the person their their space is in the um, rituals that people with OCD often have to undertake in order to relieve their anxiety and to relieve the pressure that they feel. And I had a a client who had OCD and she never did the dishes and we we had a bit of a chat about it because it was causing a problem. It was ending up, you know, things were getting a bit smelly in the kitchen and she was then having to acquire more things and things were building up and then she wasn't cooking and not looking after her health and all that kind of stuff. So we had a bit of a chat about it and the the reason why she didn't do the dishes is because her um, obsessive thoughts led her into really complicated rituals and she would have to do things and like you said the numbers came into it as well so everything had to be washed and rinsed you know three times each and then uh, rewashed and then dried by air and then rewashed after that and it was all sort of three times each and for her just doing the dishes would take about three or four hours because mm-hmm. of the the rituals that had to be undertaken in order to relieve her relieve her anxiety and so she just avoided doing that starting the ritual at all because she just knew she just didn't have four hours a lot of the time to do the dishes so she would just not do them at all Mm. and so that was a really disabling sort of result of of OCD there. I think another way it it can relate to stuff as well is just that and we mentioned this before that paralyzing fear of making the wrong decision about how to discard something and so quite often it becomes easier to not discard anything at all Mm. than to risk making the wrong choice or a choice that then will lead them into more compulsive actions. obsessive thoughts. Yeah, Yeah. obsessive thoughts, compulsive actions. Um, So quite often it's easier to hang on to something. I Mm. I read a a couple of really interesting articles about the flip side of this. Um, You know, we've talked about... um, OCD and OCPD in relation to acquiring and, um, you know, holding on to items. Mm. And um, The Atlantic published a really interesting article on a woman that suffered with compulsive decluttering. So she suffered uh, with OCD, but it led to her having what was labelled obsessive compulsive Spartanism, which I thought Mm. was a very interesting term. And that was hasn't been diagnosed as an official disease or disorder yet. But basically she was driven to ruthlessly clear out and let go of things all the time, even stuff that they were still needing and still using. Mm. Um, but she could her compulsion was around getting rid of stuff and getting rid of stuff. And so she's written a, a blog post on it as well. And I will link, I'll put a link in the notes from her blog post and this article 
Um, but I found really that interesting. really fascinating. Yeah, I I had um, never I hadn't heard of that before until probably about seven or eight years ago, or, or might be less. I did a talk at a for a group. I can't remember who it was now, but it was a I think it was a seniors group. And we, I was just talking about, you know, simplifying life and overcoming your decluttering obstacles and the normal kind of stuff I talk, chat about. And this lady came up to me afterwards and said, can I ask you a question? What happens if you can't keep things? And I said, oh, I'm, you know, can you explain a bit, you know, a bit more? And she said, I throw things out that I need. And I've never told anyone before and I don't know what to do about it. Mm. And she said, and I thought, she said, even though you're talking about the opposite, she said, I thought you might know something about it. And I had, I didn't know anything about it, but I said to her that it's definitely would be something that she should be going and talking to her GP about and perhaps, you know, talking to a mental health professional because it was obviously distressing her, this behaviour. And, yeah, she she described it to me, you know, and she said, I just can't, I just can't have things around me and and I throw things away and then I have to go and buy them again because I need them again. You know, she said, I'll, I'll throw away my only fry pan because I can't have it around me anymore. And and she said, and then, you know, three days later I have to go and buy a new fry pan. And, uh, and you know, she was quite distressed by it and it was the first that I'd, I'd heard of it. And, um, you know, it was very brave of her to come up and, and tell me about it because I don't think it's something that people really talk about because, our culture at the moment, you know, and, and our podcast is a prime example of the trend for simplifying and decluttering and how it's sort of a lot of people are embracing it as a way to to be a bit, a bit freer in their life and things like that. But there are these people that it's not such a good thing for them. You know, it's mm. it's sort of the darker side of it uh, where it can actually be um, disabling or distressing for people. So uh, it was, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really quite interesting. But um, I'd be interested to know what the percentage of the population um, has has that because, yeah, it would be interesting to compare it to, to mm. the numbers for hoarding well, disorder. I think until there's enough of a discussion about it. I don't think there'll be, any, you know, people will need to do some research into it because until they can diagnose it, then they probably won't yeah. come up It'll with it. It'll be sort of a, it, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a form of OCD. It's it's sort of like um, within OCD there is what, what they kind of call just rightness mm-hmm. And that's a, that's another thing that people who are perfectionists will often use OCD to describe is this idea that something has to be just right and it's a little bit like the obsessive thought but it's not quite the same. It's more of an obsessive feeling mm-hmm. and a feeling of discomfort. And so in order to alleviate that intense discomfort or um, it's even been described as like a pressure in the chest, then they will have to adjust things. So that's the uh, often it will be something like, you know, having a, a pillow in the right spot or having a, a picture frame in the right position or having their coins sorted in a certain way or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's no obsessive thoughts that make them do that, but it's it's, it's an obsessive feeling, a feeling of intense pressure and um, this awful sensation that something's just not quite right. And so until they make those adjustments, they have to keep adjusting until that feeling goes away of the not rightness, um, if that makes sense. And mm. um, I, I have a couple of clients that have that 
um, as well um, as part of their OCD diagnosis. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? So I guess the aim of today is really just to start the conversation. We hope it's planted the seed that you can firstly pull yourself up if you like I have mm. in, you know, in the past used OCD as a bit of a flippant throwaway line or a humble brag about your um, order and tidiness um, and, you know, to, to have a think about the people that are really suffering. If you are interested, Mia Friedman um, does an interview with Lily Bailey uh, on her No Filter podcast. It's I will put a link to it in the show notes, but it was recorded or released on the 17th of July 2017 Lily Bailey is a 23-year-old British model, journalist and author and it's about the secret routines of OCD and it's an insight into her suffering and her daily struggles and it's a really, really compelling, interesting listen. Um, Mm. And Lily's written a book as well called Because We Are Bad and the we refers to Lily's, the the voice or the obsessions that are in her head. Lily um, Mm. sees them almost as another, another person or a or an ally or a friend that is yeah. <laughs> having generating these thoughts uh, that then leads her to her compulsive behaviours. But it's really it's a really interesting listen. So if you want more mm. uh, more insight, then that's a good place to go as well. I haven't read that book. I am going to. Looks like mm. a good one. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to share your thoughts on the episode with us then we would love to hear from you uh, either in our facebook community or via other socials that's all available on our website uh, all of the links to everything so you'll be able to contact us that way and uh, thanks for tuning in thanks for joining us if you've enjoyed listening we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered if you'd like to connect with us you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via facebook and instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.